In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. We know that uh, our Lord often taught his, uh, his teachings uh, through uh, the use of images and through use of uh, parables, stories that evoke uh, deeper truths that we can glean out and uh, gain a deeper understanding for our own lives. And today's uh, gospel deals with the story or the parable of the workers uh, in the vineyard. You'll remember the story about these men who had been sitting around the marketplace looking for work. They were somewhat uh, idle, waiting for somebody to hire them for the day. And then sure enough, at different hours of the day, uh, th these workers get hired and they work hard in the fields. It's, it's a hot day. Some have been hired early, others a little bit later, others almost, almost at the end of the day. There's lots of work to go around. But then uh, when they get paid, they all get paid the same amount. You see, even both the ones that were working at the beginning of the day as well as those at the end of the day, all, they all get uh, the same amount. And uh, um, of course, there's a complaint for those who had been working all day. There's envy. Why does this guy get paid the same as me? I worked all day. And uh, they were expecting more. They felt they were entitled to, to more, even though they had agreed on one denarius. One denarius. But comparing themselves to others, they demanded more. It was the same money for a different amount of work. And you'll recall the answer of the landowner. My friend, I'm not being unjust to you. Did we not agree on one denarius? Take your earnings and go. I choose to pay the last comer as much as I pay you. Have I no right to do what I like with my own? Why be envious because I am generous? Thus, the last will be first, and the first last. So this parable is uh, articulated for us to help us understand God's mysterious ways that we don't always understand, that we can't always make sense of, that indeed the providence of God sometimes even seems to us to be unjust, that He allows certain things happen to one person, uh, an illness, a sickness, a misfortune, and it's a young person, they seem even not to deserve it at all. Whereas somebody else doesn't get that misfortune, doesn't have the same sense of justice even, or the same quality, yet they seem to prosper. And for us to fit the whole dynamics of uh, divine providence is difficult for us. Indeed, we could fall into anger, feeling God is unjust. So, 
We have to admit that probably we too have the same complaint as that worker who had been there all day in the field from early morning, whereas the other doesn't get that. That is, the other gets the same amount but didn't have to sweat. It was only one hour. We too may have the same complaint in front of divine providence, divine action in the world, things that we don't understand. These men, of course, or at least the one who was complaining, if not there were more, they were just working to be paid. It seemed that there was no broader vision of their work. They were just like, pay me what I, what I deserve, this sense of entitlement. And they were working to be paid as workers in the vineyard. And this, of course, can be extended. You and I, as living in the, wor- in the world, working in the church, uh, in the work of God, in the kingdom of God, we imagine ourselves as having a role as servants or workers. And uh, it could be that some people undertake their vocation, their role in the church, even just their, their professional job, only, only really to be paid. And that that is the main focus, like to be paid, period. To be workers in the vineyards, but in order to be paid. Now, perhaps you'll recall that exhilarating moment when uh, Pope Benedict was elected Pope. I recall being in front of the television there in 2005 and waiting, who's it going to be, who's it going to be? And um, the Camarlengo uh, announced that it was uh, Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger. And this euphoric crowd cheering. And there he came out, clearly not expecting to be elected at all came out under the balcony, that moment that has been often seen and repeated and, and so forth, uh, and in a spontaneous presentation to the crowd in St. Peter's Square, he described himself simply as a humble worker in God's vineyard. I'm, I'm just a humble worker. Of course, he had been a humble worker for so many, many, many years in his theology and then working in the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith uh, under Pope John Paul II. Before that, of course, as, as a bishop for a short time. He's a humble worker. And these workers, those that complained, and it can happen to us, they seem to, lacked, uh, they seem to have lacked humility. They weren't maybe humble workers. They seemed to lack joy with that envy that they, they, they expressed. And yet these workers are called, as we are called, by the owner of the vineyard to work. And we are all called to work at different hours, different amounts, different demands. But we are, in the end, all given the same pay the gift of eternal life that God reserves for all who work in his vineyard. The gift of eternal life. And at the same time, this parable is really about being able to work in God's vineyard, the joy of being able to work like that, and putting oneself at his service, at the service of the church, of the service of the kingdom of God, really collaborating 
in that work where others will be drawn in. The first workers came in, but then it was clear that them working wasn't sufficient. They needed others. Maybe some of the very workers were called to draw in more workers into this massive vineyard with all the work that had to be done. And we are, we are working in the, God's kingdom. We are workers. If we can identify ourselves, you know, that wherever we are, let's not wait idly in the marketplace. That's what these guys were doing. They were waiting around, hanging around. The dogs were there, throwing sticks around. What are we doing here? It, was, it seemed as one gets the sense that there was no initiative as they were in the marketplace. And the marketplace is a place where people are selling and buying and sustaining themselves. But they were there idle, not productive. Though, yes, they were available. They were available. And you too, you and I, whether the marketplace as such as the university, the school, our job, our family, we have to ask in our prayer as we consider this parable in its wider, broader context, am I sitting around? To what degree is there idleness? Is there wasting time in my life? Not embracing the call to be a humble worker. By the way I work, by the way I study, by the way I give my time to others, do I seek to discern this in my prayer? The way I use my time. St. Josemaria used to describe time as a treasure, a treasure that has been entrusted to us. The way I do mortification, deny myself. The way ultimately in which I am open to God's hiring me. Maybe I haven't been quite open enough to him hiring because I'm too busy with my things, my own interests, not the interests of the Lord's vineyard. And that could render us, uh, make, it, make it difficult for the, for the Lord to hire us for his vineyard. And when we consider that complaint again, those that complained about the payment We've, we've worked all day. These guys only an hour. We're getting the same pay. What's going on here? And Pope Benedict said that for those who work only for payment or have that as an essential uh, focus, they will never, he says, really value or realize the value of this inestimable trevor, treasure of working in the vineyard if our only focus is the results that we get out of it. And uh, it's true, some of the workers worked longer in the field and expected more pay, greater reward. But that's a human logic that here, by working in the vineyard of the Lord, doesn't work. It's a human logic. It's, it's misaligned with God's logic. With, with God's providential plan about working in the vineyard, about participating in God's mission, about ultimately being uh, co-redeemers. I got the news a couple of weeks ago about a confrere of mine who was ordained with me, Father Fernando Monge, who was in Spain and had been working for many, many years, I think 28 years or so in Austria, he had, he had now, it was natural for him always to speak in German. I used to communicate in German with him. And 
and he was on an excursion in Switzerland on an annual course, you know, a time of break, and he went on a hike, as many people would do in the afternoons. And it was a very simple thing as he was going with others on this hike. He was going down a trail. He lost his footing, slipped, fell, and actually fell off a cliff. Fell off a cliff. They had to pick up the body with a helicopter. He died, passed away. God took him, you know, his work had been done in the vineyard. And everybody who spoke about him said that, that he was a good worker in the vineyard. That was as being a priest, but before that he had been a journalist. He had uh, taught at the university. You know, he was a good worker. And would that it be said of me that I'm a good worker in the vineyard who doesn't complain. You, know, you take somebody like St. Matthew, the tax collector. Pope Benedict mentions him as well. He was a tax collector. And for that reason, since he was working for the Roman authority, he was considered a public sinner. He was considered, therefore, excluded from God's vineyard. But everything changed when he was at that post, Jesus met him. Jesus passed by that post and just said, simply said to him, follow me, follow me. And he got up right away. It's a beautiful moment that has been represented in a different ways. Just follow me, just come. He's inviting him there to, to be in the vineyard. And he got up and immediately he changed from being a tax collector to being a disciple of Christ. Instead of being last, as we read in that last passage, instead of being last, which he would have been had he continued as a tax collector, he became really one of the first. He was because he entered into the logic of God, which, well, thanks to thanks be to God, is 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 a logic that is different from the world. And we ask the Lord to give us that logic, you know, the supernatural logic. You, you even take somebody like St. Paul. Imagine the, the logic involved in that, who also experienced the joy of hearing himself be called by the Lord in such a dramatic way to go and work in the vineyard. And that's certainly what he did. He just completely dedicated his life. As he himself says, you know, that the grace of God, he said, was working in him. The grace of God had transformed him from being a persecutor of the church, from dragging these poor Christians out of their homes to be persecuted, to be an apostle of the Gentiles. And Paul understood well that working for the Lord is, is in and of itself already a reward on earth, on this earth. And when we go back to those complainers, those people with envy, we realize that not realizing the beauty of working uh, in the vineyard, not realizing that we do have a task or not, let's say, appreciating its beauty, has something to do with the, the infection of our, our, our own ego. Or that's what it would mean to be working only to be paid. It's when the ego takes over. And the ego, the self, the I has taken on more and more prominence uh, during the last few hundred years in Western culture. It's the story of the I, the ego, sort of sucking more and more into itself. It's as though the ego is like a, a, a 
person getting fatter and fatter and fatter and fatter. The ego takes too much room. It just should be a little thing that keeps us going, but now it's gone. It's gotten too big. In just if you look at the at the run through of Western civilization, you could say there's been an argument to suggest. That, I mean, maybe it started before, but if you take the Protestant Reformation, it appealed to one's own conscience as the authority of deciding what the Bible was saying. Okay, I'll read this myself and my I will decide, my conscience, my authority. Then you get philosophers like René Descartes who said, I think, therefore I am. That's the only thing I can be certain. The fact that I myself think and that has becomes the definitive instance of philosophical reason, the I. The Enlightenment did the same thing with reason. Then later, in the late 18th and 19th century, Romanticism you know, put the role of the self and the feelings uh, to, such a, to such an extent that the heart, everything was about the heart and romance and feelings. Of course, it led to beautiful paintings, right? And beautiful uh, literature. Or then German idealism, like Hegel in the 18th century as well, made the ego or the I the origin of everything. It's like, a, it's like an ego getting fatter and fatter and fatter and fatter. And the last step, we find, perhaps in our modern times, the growing instance of individualism. People decide what sex they want to be, what gender they want to be, how they feel. They... It can even determine that one's interior feelings determine their own biology, who they actually are in terms of gender. And it becomes a growing, growing affirmation of the I uh, that's almost getting insane sometimes, causing more and more problems in the world. And yet, here we have this marvelous opportunity as God calls us to work in His vineyard. And... Uh, what at times has been a timely defense of personal uh, autonomy has now ended up being a, almost a form of galloping narcissism, like too much focus on what I get and the comparison with others. And there's some form of galloping narcissism in, the, in these workers of the vineyard. Why don't we get more? Why don't I get more? It's about how I, I worked in this, what I did, what I contributed. Some of that is seen in today's culture. We see that uh, the attitudes uh, around us. We, we see people sort of turning around themselves as a kind of a swarm of disturbing voices. It's as though our own voices are speaking aggressively within ourselves, like a dark cloud of doubt, a dark cloud of anxiety. Voices that are always there, that can reach the very intimate of oneself. Voices like those workers that demand success, that demand more power, more fame, more views, more clicks on our profile. These are voices sometimes that can end up questioning our own worth when we think 
you know, too much about our own needs, our own worth, our own ego. It's like a whirlwind of thoughts that go round and round and about the right of being loved, the right of getting the sort of entitlements that we feel that we deserve. And that's what I think gave rise to the, the complaints of the workers in the vineyard. That in and of itself is a good thing for us to examine. You know, to what degree do I find myself complaining interior? Not maybe very, very explicitly. It might not be perfectly identified as explain, of, uh, complaining. But this inner monologue about what I should get, and, you know, like the, the vineyards, you know, no matter what moment we were hired or how we are doing, you know, there are a few moments of the day that can end up being free from those dark moments of complaint, the grudges, the possibility of jealousy, of envy, of greed. Like those workers, they, they had that envy. And I suspect that they suffered that envy throughout the day as they're working. Because as they saw new workers come in, they said, hey, this guy just came in. They, Dude, this guy just came in. I've been working already an hour here. And then it got worse and worse and worse as the day wore on and more and more new workers were hired. Perhaps they were thinking, okay, well, he's probably going to work later into the night or something. And different ways uh, to justify their own position of work. And all that thinking of oneself can really uh, enhance one's proclivity to envy we can end up thinking everybody seems to be doing better than me everybody seems to be better than myself and that's what that whole whirlwind continues jealousy, resentment and so forth so we ask our Lord in this time of prayer to help us know ourselves and to see our internal world and our thoughts our imagination to see if they turn too much around ourselves and may make it difficult to make contact with the landowner, which is God, our, our Lord himself, this loving landowner who has entrusted us with a task, a task that is a task of service. It's work, but it's a task of service, a gift of ourselves. If our heart in some way has hardened, am I an egotist whose heart is hardened? sometimes filled with sadness in this kind of endless monologue. We ask our Blessed Mother to really help us flee from that narrow world of our own ego that could end up dominating everything. We can ask Jesus himself to help us work as the landowner wants and needs us to work, who hired us to work in God's kingdom so that we can develop our qualities, our attitudes, you could say, our abilities, but according to his designs. He has designs for us, and that's what we want to do. 
And if we decide to reach out more to others, to reach out to their real interests, their needs, we can even discover their qualities. If we work as good vineyards, it's one of the most beautiful things you, you can do. You can be an instrument for the good of others. These workers, just I'm working here on my thing, that guy's on that, and he's working less hours. Or, but, you know, there's that story of Tony Robbins. He's uh, one of these very famous self-help gurus. Uh, he gives talks and conferences, uh, retreats of some kind. Uh, and uh, he's all about uh, digging into your personal qualities. You know, there's nothing you can't do kind of thing, right? And, uh, and he tells that when he was at school, uh, he had a speech teacher. And at one point... Um, each of the students had to give a kind of, a, you know, like a public speaking thing, and they had to give a speech. Well, and he, like everybody else, he gave one, and then uh, he got. He was told the teacher wants to see you after school. The teacher wants to see you after school. Go to the to the teacher's office, and he thought, okay, oh, I did something bad here. I'm, I'm going to be in trouble, and uh, and so the teacher told him, Mr. Robbins, I think you have the conditions to be a great speaker. I want to invite you to a special speech conference that is going to be held in such and such a time with other schools. And he had no idea that he had that ability, that quality, that ability to speak, and, you know, to connect with people. And he said that um, that teacher did not hesitate in believing in his qualities. And that simple intervention of that teacher changed his life entirely. He suddenly realized he had something he didn't, he wasn't aware of, and uh, and within a few years he became one of the most valuable communicators. He makes eight hundred million dollars a year or something crazy, you know. Uh, bought his own island or something like that, uh, you know, where he has uh, jacuzzis and stuff like that. So, you know. now okay, we're not all meant to be as successful as Tony Robbins. Uh, God bless him. I don't know exactly all the things he does and the books he writes, but uh, uh, he, I know he speaks powerfully and he attracts crowds and he can help people. He has this power to help people. That's his, I guess that's his working in the vineyard. Maybe we can't be exactly like that. We don't have to compare ourselves, but what we can do is to be like that teacher who picked up on his qualities. That's the beauty. That's the beautiful thing. It's not so much a Tony Robbins as the teacher who now, we don't even know the guy's name. You don't even know, or the girl, I don't even know if a man or woman. That teacher was a, a worker in the vineyard. And so, well, we ask our Lord if He can open those horizons to us. It gives us the deep desire to embrace divine logic, divine providence in my life, both in terms of the events of the day, of things turn out. But more broadly speaking, really live as a good worker in the vineyard of the Lord, which is professional work, family work, you know, my vocation, in my friendships. So that at the end of my life, the Lord can say, well done, good and faithful servant, come you know, into the domain you know, into the joy of the Lord. That's what we want to hear. And for some people, it's just working a short time. There are children who die. They've been working, working in the vineyard. People are very successful. People have hard and difficult lives. But we all 
want and desire to be happy workers in the vineyard of the Lord. And we know that the angel approached our Blessed Mother to invite her to be the Mother of God, also there to be a worker in the vineyard. And she said, be it done unto me. She clicked because she understood that God's providence had aligned itself for her in that way. And immediately she went to help Elizabeth, to help her do that too. Our Blessed Mother will intercede for us and will guide us by the hand to be the workers in God's vineyard. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.